0: So, I feel that inspired energy is... That inspiration and something takes your breath away. The tie-in for inspired energy is fear. Inspired energy for me is the energy that you draw from others.
1: You know, and I think that maybe fits into my definition of inspired energy. Like, a, right now I'm in the zone. Inspired energy, so I think for me the inspiration comes from people.
0: Being inspired to use up your energy.
1: Inspired energy was what motivated me.
0: Uh, Inspired
1: energy. This is episode 89 of the Inspired Energy podcast with Murray Guest, and I hope you're all doing well. Now, this was such a great episode that I caught up with Renee Geruso to talk about a gift mindset and what that means and how you live that in all areas of your life. Now, for those that don't know Renee, she is a Melbourne based leadership and mindset expert partnering with organizations all around Australia and overseas and also a speaker to really help people understand how to live a limitless leadership life in all areas. And she partners with organizations to accelerate communication, collaboration and leadership, which lifts performance and culture. Renee released the Limitless Leadership book back in 2016 and was followed by the Leaders of Influence Anthology. But as I said, this conversation is all about the gift mindset. And this was a really cool conversation as we explored the 12 gifts to lead and live a life of purpose, connection and contribution through the gift mindset. Renee was so generous in sharing her stories of how she came about discovering this gift mindset and how it's been part of her journey in her life in so many ways and we also talk about how it can be a bit of a barrier and some of the barriers that exist to living this gift mindset and how you can overcome those. The gift mindset is something which you can apply in all areas of your life, Uh, no matter what you do, where you work, uh, if you don't work, uh, it it just doesn't matter. Uh, It was so um, insightful to hear from Renee about how this has been helpful for so many people as she's launched this book early in 2021, um, in the show notes, you can find links to check out the book and to, uh, to purchase that. And if you get something out of this conversation, which I'm sure you will, because there's so many practical tips, make sure you got your pen and paper handy to write those down. Um, uh, make sure you tag Renee and myself on social media on LinkedIn or Instagram, and just share what was the insight you got out about this conversation and embracing a gift mindset. Um, uh, such a great conversation uh here i go catching up with renee Renee, I've been looking forward to us catching up for some time. We're just chatting before I hit record and um, you've got a lot of energy on notice.
0: Yes. Yes. Always been energetic. My nickname out of work is popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more.
1: <laughs> so how, how are you maintaining your energy in early 2021 after everything that's been going on, particularly in Melbourne?
0: Yeah. Yeah. God's country. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. And I think I keep my cup full by being in service to others. I'm a big contributor and I've always found that working with others, growing others, growing through others really keeps me energized. Um, and I think just looking forward, I'm I'm a future thinker, so I'm always looking at what's next. So that that keeps me energized and, and being around a good support network, obviously.
1: yeah Yeah, of course and there's so much research around um, that positive anticipation for our mental health and looking forward so what are you looking forward to at the moment
0: yeah well I've just just released a book and I think it's really starting to get some traction and I guess sharing that with the world um I feel we're coming out of you know without talking about the pandemic we're coming out the other side and I'm really looking at the things that I've, you know, let go of, the things that I've let in to move forward and sort of seeing them take place now. Um, so I think that's a big one. I'm feeling a lot more optimism out in the marketplace as far as clients, people's attitudes. You know, I'm I'm a realist. I know we're not totally out of the pandemic. But I think without painting a golden paintbrush on the whole thing, I think there's a lot of good that's come out of it.
1: Well, I think there's a great link there to your book around the gift mindset and the gifts that we receive. And I've been thinking about this conversation quite a bit and how some gifts maybe aren't wrapped in the paper you wanted them to be wrapped in, but when you unwrap them, there's something else. And I was even thinking about, um, and I haven't read all your book, I'll be and I'm looking forward to, but the analogy of pass the parcel and sometimes you unwrap layers of paper and you're like, oh, is that what it is? I didn't want that, you know, as a child. And then you unwrap, and you go, oh, wow, it's this. Mm. Um, so I want to explore the the gift mindset in this amazing book because I've loved what I read so far. But just for listeners, tell me how we got to this point in your your life. Like the last 20 years, you've been doing some amazing work with different companies.
0: Yeah, yeah. I Look, I, I had a great fmcg career you know and i know we we worked together many years ago not directly together for an amazing company and you know i just realized i wanted to grow people not because i was their manager but because they wanted to self-develop so for 14 years i've you know as we, we talked about earlier things have evolved and the 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 business and and the the leaders that we work with is just so diverse murray i can't you know, I have so many people say, narrow your market, but people are people. And what the work we, we do is all around human behavior. And I feel that anyone can benefit from it. So, yeah, we've gone through an evolution where we started off, I, I went into job search for a while, which was really built me as a facilitator and a coach because I had 35 people in a 10 square meter room with no air conditioning, three generations from one family. Um, and some wow. really tough, you know, addiction challenges, etc. cetera. Um, I did that for 18 months all over Australia, which was amazing. Um, and then I went into sales capability. My background was sales management and marketing um, and love that. But my passion was really around coaching. I'm a big fan because it's all around, you know, I don't need your story. Where are you now? Where do you want to go? Let's make it happen. It's proactive. Um, yeah, so I went into the coaching and leadership space, which, you know, we all know leadership's an overused word. It's communication at the end of the day, Um, and I've just been, been loving it. The eight, the last eight years, we've really sort of, um, bolted down, you know, our IP. We're always writing new IP, you know, run lots of transformational workshops and get to work with people, you know, from cosmetics to engineers to builders, to to IT um, mid tier mainly, but I do attract a lot of, of of sort of startups, bigger startups, which I find awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of energy in those startups, which I'm sure that you connect with with the energy you bring as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, over the years, with the leaders you've worked with, is there some common challenges or themes that you've noticed over that time?
0: Yeah, look, they, they differ slightly year on year, but the, the main three, and we, we do a lot of diagnostics around it to really check in so we're not assuming, is is leaders become time poor, mm-hmm. skill stretched, and they're closely related. Um, and another one that we see a lot is I think they get caught up in what I call a management mindset, drowning in the overwhelm of every day, and they're not leading with a clearer, what I call a leadership mindset mindset where they're creating future leaders which which I believe is every leader's job
1: yeah so um busyness stretched that management mindset hmm. um and what what do you reckon has happened to leaders in the last 12 months because obviously you you mentioned the the pandemic word um and we <laughs> yeah. are still you know it's at different stages in the in the world where we are right now with that but I've definitely noticed with my clients some of the renewed perspective, which I think has helped some of those challenges in the, in the last 12 months. What have you noticed?
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. I've, I've seen a lot of leaders really shine through this time. I've also seen a few bury their head and people in their team step up, which I think has been amazing. Um, perspective is spot on. I think people have taken the opportunity, I think, to step back and go, is this for me in a good way or yep. isn't it? And do I need to step up and what do I need to do? I think teams are better connected. Um, you know, we do, we've got a whole program on um, supercharge working remotely. It's an online program. I've worked remotely for, you know, 16 years. And I, I think working longer, more intense hours did lead to connection and communication being a bit stifled and i think technology went from being a conduit to connection to connection which wasn't right but i've noticed in the last four or five months people are picking up the phone they're doing walk and talks you know i know the last month we're back doing face-to-faces which is so exciting i have to contain myself. um still doing a lot of virtual stuff as well but i think the, bit, the word I would say is they've really become more flexible and my belief for the future of leadership is, you know, adaptability, innovation and collaboration. Mm. I think you can do those three things. You can't do one without the other. But I think if you can do those three things and keep filling your cup, you ne- you're never there. Um, I think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I, so definitely with some of my clients, I've noticed some of those needs around connection and how that's been happening better. And I would even say more authentically versus, yeah. I think, in the office working long hours or, or on a job site. And it's like, hey, how are you going? Hi, Renee. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, now let's, let's get on with it. Whereas I think there's a more genuineness to the, the check-ins and that connection now, which I really appreciate. I've got a question, and this is not prepped at all, so I'm going to throw it out there. Let's see if we can kick it around because it's I'm loving what you're talking about at the moment, and this has popped into my head. How do you think leaders going forward balance the needs of the individual? And because I think there's a better understanding of people as humans, and they've got a whole life, you know, where, where people have got all their stuff. So how do leaders balance that and the needs of the business? Because that seems to be coming up more and more as a bit of a challenge.
0: Yeah, it is. And I, I think it was always there, but it was sort of swept under the rug. And I think people have, leaders have got, have got to know, and you'd hope, got to know their teams at a deeper level now. So my my suggestion there would be don't go back to autopilot default, what I call topical conversations, go to deeper essence conversations. And I think the opportunity there is around, you know, not not, it could be coaching, but making that one-on-one time, not losing that. You know, I've already seen, you know, last week one client back into what they were doing before. And I'm like, I've always had a saying, what are you going to let go, let in and let be? And Mm. I do that as a 90-day sort of plan with a lot of clients. And I think it's looking at that. Um, But balancing both, I think, is understanding yourself first, and understanding your team, your peer and your peers, your, your one business, and really tapping in to the real person and creating this human-centric culture that I think became performance-based and transactional before COVID.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. And I <clears throat> what I've noticed, which is I think is helping that, is the let's let's have those conversations at the deeper level like you're saying yeah. because I'm not doing it because a process says I have to do it but I'm actually doing it because I care about you as a person.
0: Yeah, and it's bringing in, you know, head, heart, gut into your leadership. I do a lot of work around there. Don't just be all logical because we get that. That's where we can default to when we get caught up being a human doing, not a human being. And I think um, taking a step back, and and just slowing almost slowing down a bit and being present. Mm. You know, that's that's I think that's a big, big key. And you know, what conversation are we going to have and be open and free? You don't have to be too intentional and planned.
1: And obviously last year, face-to-face workshops took a bit of a, a pause, let's just say, a pause or a dip. Mine mine did a, and you were saying earlier it did, Um, back to -to face-to-face. The other thing I've noticed is I reckon people now have a greater appreciation for those face-to-face interactions after what it's Mm -hmm. been like.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, um, I think, look, we both know virtual's here to stay and it's not a bad thing, but it shouldn't be the, you know, shouldn't be the all. I think it should be the the end. yeah, I think the connection people are craving it. Mm-hmm. You know those water cooler chats, the interaction in a room. I, I know, Mary, you're high energy as well. My workshops, people really sit down. Sixty percent, and probably more hands on. And I think, um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You have to have something sometimes taken away to be able to really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah
1: and. Uh- what I've been doing uh, to kick off 2021 is some, uh, I would say, hybrid type programs. So yeah. there's a mix of the face to face and the online. And um, I, I'd even say that the, the lesson out of the crisis for me last year has been a bit of that how I can create that to have more of that transformation that you talk about and that you're passionate about. So it's, you know, I've always been very passionate about it not being a tick in the box, but I think now there's more appetite for how we can do that even better.
0: I think people are looking for that. There's, you know, with the the market's been virtually, you know, you've got L and D people that may may not be trainers or facilitators running things, and I think, yeah, I call them sugar hits. You know, you run them, they're events, people walk out all pumped, but there's nothing embedded back on the job. Mm-hmm. And I think the the opportunity for for anyone out there who's who's Either a facilitator or running your own things with your team is is to have sort of the milestones face to face and then have the transformational piece so it continues you know virtual. So an example with what we do, we're doing a lot of face to face for a day or two a quarter, and then the next month we'll do a group. We do a lot of group coaching. We run a lot of masterminds virtually, and then there might be a one on one maybe you know included but it's mixing up the delivery. It's finding out how people like to learn. Yeah. And I always say, please a few people and change the people.
1: Yeah, say that again.
0: Please a few people and change the people. So bring in some visual, bring in some auditory and you'll keep everyone uh, engaged.
1: Yeah, great. Love that. Love that a lot. Um, and can I ask, why a gift mindset?
0: Yeah, gift, the gift mindset something I, I've embraced for a long time and shared with a few clients over the last few years and loved ones. And I knew that it was a message I wanted to get out. Um, and over a few months of weekends last year, I, I wrote the book. And, you know, it, it's all around, I guess, stepping back and embracing the challenging and positive experiences we encounter and unwrapping the gift, seeing the gift in there and really understanding it and accepting it to help us, not hinder us, and then using that to progress us forward and others. And in a workplace culture, that is so important. I think even right up at C-suite, we're doing, we're doing, we're transactional. Some teams have amazing successes. They're not shared for whatever reason. I, I call that you know, using success as a secret weapon, even if it's not intentional. Um, mistakes aren't shared. And I really believe in and out of the workplace, you know, the crack we go through and the things we learn could be a survival guide for someone else. Um, so the book's all about how to adopt it, the gift mindset, what gets in the way, which I'd love to talk about. And then I really believe your gifts sort of fall into different areas. And I, <laughs> I came up with 40, <laughs> we distilled it down to. I have a thing with the number twelve. Always have. So you know what happened. What did I learn? And if did I get? Was it the gift of resilience? Was it the gift of growth? I know for me last year it was the gift of growth, resilience, and change. They were probably the three biggest gifts. um And then in each chapter, Murray, we we deep dive into the six keys um, to deepen and develop that gift. So. In a workplace setting, you can do this, share it with your team. In and out of work, you can use it.
1: Yeah, love it. I've yeah. got to ask first, how did you get from 40 down to 12?
0: Oh, it was hard. You know, it was probably 60, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. And then at the 11th hour, one of the gifts I had in there, I was like, it's just not sitting with me. And I found it hard to write about, which to me, you're not in flow. Yeah. So I put in the gift of forgiveness because that's something... That is not talked about in the workplace.
1: I uh, can I just say I love that because I've done a lot of work with teams over the years about how we're we moving forward, how we're we building as a team, become more of a yeah. high performance team, you know, through different stages of that team development. And quite often it's about okay, moving forward in our behaviors and ways of working, but there's still stuff from the interactions in the past that people are hanging on to that we need to forgive.
0: That's right. And I forgiveness to me in and out of work or in a team, it's to it's, me it's going from pain to peace. Yep. So that's the whole model I've built around it. And really thinking about what is the conversation I need to have. And I think what people don't get, and we're probably both guilty of this at some point, is when you forgive, you're not condoning or accepting. Mm. Using whatever it is to move forward. And what happens in the workplace a lot, and, you know, I had an experience years ago where I went through a similar thing was you start to blame yourself if something goes wrong if you don't, um, what's the word, if you don't settle that forgiveness and come to peace with it. I guess, yeah, I'm all, thinking
1: about how you resolve that with yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, you start awfulizing it, it's one of my made-up words. But you think about it to the point you think it's your fault. And, and to me that's a compelling enough reason to get out of your head attention out and 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 work through it and you may not you may not end up best friends or best colleagues but you can look at it from a professional front if this was my business would I make this relationship work which you know we both know you would
1: (laughs) yeah well I'm thinking also too about the the help and hinder that you mentioned before and Mm -hmm. without going through that process of forgiveness and resolving that with yourself how and you've still got to work with a person or a department or yep. even those frames you've developed about a certain level in an organisation, doesn't matter, you know, how much is that still hindering you for having a productive and, and rewarding time at work?
0: That's right. And being happy. You know, yeah. we spend 90,000 hours at work on an average. I reckon it's a lot more. And I always just think you've got to, you mentioned it earlier, you've got to bring your whole self to work. Yep. You've got to bring your whole self home. Or else you just, I say, you know, you're leaving your energy in the lost property box, right, Mm. in one or both. So you've really, really got to tap into it. And I think, you know, yeah, so we came up with that, but it was was quite hard to distill them down. Um, Maybe there'll be another book. But for now we've got, yeah, the gift of empathy, connection, gratitude, which is really important in workplace culture. Um, growth change there's quite and re-energizing which is one of my favorite gifts the gift well, of re-energizing
1: oh I like that a lot too so want to explore a couple of those and definitely the barriers what is also yeah. popping into my head is um, and for those people that are listening that haven't written a book and you're wondering about writing your own book did you sit there on a Friday night Watching a movie and it's like bang, pops in your head, lightning bolt, or you're driving along and it pops into your head. Like, how did the inspiration for the book come about?
0: Good, good question. I, I started blogging about a few of the concepts that I came up with, and I'm a bit of an owl. So, sort of up writing ideas at two in the morning. And I collated those together and then I did a bit of a framework. Um, and look, I, I can write, I can get in flow quite quickly. But there were a few weekends, you know, apart from trying to save my business and get this book done, there were some Sundays, I must say, it was like midday and I was just, you just go blank and it was, it was tiredness. Yeah. So the gift of re-energising for me is cooking. I'm a massive cook, hate recipes, hate process in cooking. Um, but I would stop, go for a walk, go down to the local market, grab some food, come back and cook. And I even put two recipes in my book. (laughs) But um, that lights me up. So I think when you're writing and anyone out there that's thinking of writing a book, you've got to get some structure and there are so many resources you can tap into. But the big thing for me is what is the intention of the book? For me, this isn't a book. This is a, a message and a movement. It's yep. it's so much bigger for me. Like I feel it, I actually feel it um when I talk about it. But what's the intention? You don't want to just do it as a tick and flick. What's the intention? And then the biggest tip I can give is build a book writing habit. Mm-hmm. So my first book I wrote two nights a week and half a Saturday over four to six months. This book I got done, you know, was a lot of hours on weekends in COVID. We're in lockdown. But in saying that, I'd done probably 15 interviews at night, six months prior that I transcribed into the book. So know the intention, lock it in your diary, jealously protect that time um, and take it lightly. You know, you want to enjoy the process. Yep. The book's actually quite the easy bit. The next bit is getting it out there and all the what goes with it.
1: I guess the bit that I'm taking out of that too is find a process that works for you yeah Because everyone's going to have slightly different processes don't try and do yep. it the way that you did it or someone else but what works for you to get you in that flow and that creative space yeah then you can stick to
0: that that's right it's got to work for you i i found getting i'm big picture so i actually was looking at the cover design before i'd even written the book <laughs> and i i did it on canva and whacked it on my back of my office door yep. um, and that that's the way I work and, and a lot of people don't. They work the other way. Get your chapter headings out but also guess and test a bit. So I did a few blogs that I got really good feedback. I ran a few two-hour little webinars last year on some different concepts just to test it. Um, and I think the big one is follow your heart with it and your yep. intuition.
1: So I need to go back and ask a, a really important question you mentioned cooking, what's something you've made recently that you would just absolutely loved?
0: Oh, I love my, my go-to is Sri Lankan. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm Italian, French, American, Back my stepdad's from Adelaide though, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit of a mix. So I cook a lot of Italian and Thai, but I cook a lot of Sri Lankan. I grew up, I've always been attracted to people from different cultures and some of my best friends are Sri Lankan and one his mum had a restaurant when I was a teenager. So I learned just by taste and feel what to cook. So my go-to, which is actually in the book, it was hard to decide, but is my Sri Lankan fish curry.
1: Oh, I've got it. So is that more of a, 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 a like a yellow type base, like the yellow curry yeah. type? Yeah.
0: Yellow, it's got tamarind. Um, I don't have a pantry. My friends say I have a spice cupboard. <laughs> Um, I just love mixing, cooking from taste. I don't cook sweets. I've, I've never been a sweet tooth, which is quite funny because I used to work at Mars. But I'm an olive and cheese girl. So I've worked out though. You know, I'm motivated when I'm zoning out to just go with the flow. Whereas recipes and desserts need—they do. It's science, right? Yeah. That bore, bores me. It's going to turn out right. Yeah. So, so yeah, Sri Lankan fish curry, Murray.
1: I, well, right. I, I, I will close this loop and come back to you when I make that, okay? Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, that
1: sounds it. exciting. Um, you actually also highlight, and I was talking, working with a team recently, and the leader and I were, I guess in a way, creating a space for some conversations about working from home and how they're still doing that at the moment. Yeah. And... This mindset shift that is, I think, so important where the challenge for some people on the team was I'm working at home, so I just sit at my desk for eight hours, never get up. And then it's creating this, this mental health challenge with, of I'm just sitting here by myself looking at a screen. Yeah. And what was great is we started to explore, well, what can you do to break up your day? You know, Do you get up and pull some weeds out of the garden mm-hmm. and chat to a, a, a peer or a colleague? Do you cook something in the middle of the day? Because tapping into those little things that help you re-energise.
0: Yeah, that light you up. Light yeah. you up, yeah. Yeah, it's a good good point. Um, my, my first two things around working from home is first two steps is to uh, ad- adjust and adapt and all around mindset and all about remote working habits. We do, do a lot on that. I'm a big believer to have what I call... I I came up with bookend habits. So imagine they have bookend. So something I do that helps because I can get very super focused and I have been there, not got up for six hours, like just focused. In the morning, I'm always dressed for work. Your physiology and your psychology is linked. Always dressed for work. I go out the front door about 6.30. I go for a 10-minute walk. I come back in through the front door and I grab a coffee. Love my coffee. Then I come into wherever I'm working and I do the same at the end of the day, but without the coffee. And what it does, even if I've got a bit of work at night, it, it, it anchors the start and the close. Another good suggestion is to have different workplaces. If Murray, if you could see my house, I've, the lounge is a full studio where we run all our workshops in real time. Yep. Where I'm sitting now is my office where I do webinars and coaching and I've got a stand-up desk on the other side. But all my writing of my book on weekends I did at the kitchen table.
1: Yeah, I think that we are very similar like that. And I was talking recently to someone about how you can tap into the energy of your spaces. So I've got the Get Stuff Done room where I am right now. I've got the, the back deck where I'll sit and I can look out and get a few more ideas. And some days I might sit at the dining table, so I've got more yeah. of an interaction with the rest of the family. But don't just lock yourself into this one space. Um, and everyone's home is very different. different. But how, how do you use those different spaces?
0: Yeah, I love that. And look, some people out there listening will be going, wow, you guys are weird. I've had people go, I just don't get how you move around. That's not me. Everyone's different. I think we're both motivated by alternative thinking, infinite possibilities. So that, yeah. that works for us. And I understand there's people out there. I've got clients who have got two newborn babies and nowhere to work. But I think it's just moving around, creating the space that works for you. A big suggestion I've got is if you don't need to share a screen, don't have a Zoom. So I will tend to do my callbacks to clients at about 5.36 and go for a walk.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, mix it up um, and create some... Create some really cool remote working habits, you know, because the way you worked in an office and we're in a hybrid environment now, you really need to be consciously reviewing and renewing your working habits to work for you as things change.
1: Yeah, and everyone's situation is different and everyone's preferences are different and their needs And I think it links back to that point we made earlier as leaders, leaders play a role in understanding that and supporting their teams to work that out so that, yeah, they're delivering what they need Mm. and considering them as a whole human at the same time.
0: That's right. That's right. And I think like we said, a lot of people are getting closer. We've long story. We've ended up with a stray cat during COVID never had a cat. Turns out he's our neighbor's cat. They don't want him. And he'd jump up on some zooms when I'm doing a keynote you know, and people just laughed. I mean, imagine that back two years ago.
1: Yeah, I, 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 it, that, there's yeah. a realness, isn't there? That 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 I love. I love that authenticity yeah. and that realness that that has happened.
0: That that's that's right. But I think the the main thing is just be open to to constantly reviewing. Another really quick one, Murray, which a lot of clients have loved and adopted, is I mean, I we're in a my hubby's a builder, so we're we sort of move a bit, but we're in a townhouse. So not massive, but what I do when I know I need to clear my head is I go and open every window in the house and then come back and close every window. So that takes 15 minutes and it's supposed to increase the oxygen in your house by 200%. You're getting exercise and you're bending and you're moving. So it's just whatever little thing, you know, works for you.
1: I love that. I haven't heard mm-hmm. that one. I've heard lots of little tips, but thank you for that one. I really, I there's, there's, a, there's so many little things there. <laughs> I like that one. Some people might think, oh, that's a bit strange, but I like that one. I like that a lot.
0: It's tr- all I asked, I had some people say the same thing. They were like, oh, what if I'm in a one-bedroom apartment? I'm like, well, you just do it 20 times. But <laughs> just give it a go, but yeah. it does make you it, it's interesting it gets you to move and it's just mentally getting you out of being in the same space the same four walls
1: it's funny it's these little things I'm uh so I'm a big fan of Mind Valley, and I've listened to and been to a number of their events over the years and something I heard from them and which I was doing for a while but you just reminded me of it. it's just I don't know how but I've just got formed this <laughs> link up and that is have a kettlebell in the house or they had a kettlebell in the office
0: Mm. it's as you
1: go between meetings you pick it up and carry it
0: Yep. and it's
1: like here's this little bit of exercise you're getting as you're moving around and it's just it's just you know getting the blood flowing and moving around i'm be mindful we're not saying a 30 30 kilogram kettlebell it might be a a five or a six it doesn't matter or a zero
0: to me (laughs) but it's it's the fact that you it's the whole mind body i Something, something I did, and I, I remember my sister last year was um, at my house for the day and I had, I had six sessions back to back and I think she thought I was crazy, but I only had 10, you know, you've always got to where you can make the time to be present, get back in the zone. But I'd actually go out the front door, go up the street, come back and do 10 star jumps and come back in. yep. It's whatever works for you. I know some people that may be a bit more introverted, they might go and read for five minutes. Everyone's different. But I think whatever works for you, but make the time to step back and go, what habits are working for me? What ones do I need to rewrite? What's the trigger for that? What's my response to that? And what's the reward I'm going to get?
1: Yeah, and I like <laughs> the the message here about... It's not about doing more, doing more, doing more about, yeah, bring something in, let something go, give yeah. it a try. Don't just try it once and see what works for you.
0: Yeah. It's, it's important. We're, we're all lit up by different things and I use that terminology a lot. I do a lot around what I call motivational intelligence. So we use a, a tool that actually can measure it, but you sort of know in yourself subconsciously. Mm. So if you, and I think, Murray, you're a bit like me. I love being in the client interface. I love, you know, collaborating with people like yourself. So I make sure, as much as I can, which is a big part of our job, that I'm doing that. And something that's really helped a lot of clients um, now and moving forward is to make sure you're doing the thing that puts that pep in your step on a Monday morning. Yep. So I had a a, an engineering like she was a, a very senior leader. And she was quite flat. This is Mm -hmm. towards the end of last year. And I said, I believe when we feel flat and we don't know why, it's because we're not getting the things that light us up. So too many people do what they're good at, but not what they're good at that they enjoy. Very different. Yes. And she said, yeah, now you've said that. You know how I love my team meetings. It's been moved to Thursday afternoon. I said, for how long? She said, oh, eight weeks. I said, why? I don't know. It was just moved. You know, I always say question things yep i said why can't you move it to monday morning she made that subtle change she was a different person because monday morning sets your tone for the week and it gets rid of a thing i call the sunday night dread yes yep no we've all had it i used to get i I didn't like school when i used to hear disneyland come on on sunday night at 7 30 my stomach would go oh you know do what really lights you up first thing where you can, you can control it and you can influence it. And
1: can I add as a strengths-based coach and getting people focused on the strengths, such a great link here. Where where are you getting to use your strengths? Where are you getting to do those things that light you up? Mm -hmm. Um, And it just makes a different energy, as you said, for the rest of the day, rest of the week.
0: Oh, and, and go and hang out with people that are good at the things that don't light you up. But I'm I'm all about leveraging strengths to build a strength-based team. So if I'm not right, I'm very good at problem solving and nitty gritty, but my genius or my passion is big picture ideas, creativity, make it happen. So someone that's recently come in, I only have five people in my business back end. um, I've gone for someone who is the opposite of me Because I kept attracting people that were like me. doesn't work. So we leverage. So she'll be slow down and I'll be hurry up. And we compliment each other. I'm goal. She's problem solving. And we work really well together.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. And what I talk to people about is you want to have those partnerships and really invite that perspective and embrace that perspective because they're bringing something that is just a potential blind spot for you. It's just not your natural way of showing up.
0: And know it. I say know it and grow it. If you're a leader listening to this, I believe you should know what what are the hot spots of each person in your team and don't overcomplicate it. Obviously, we you know, we both use different tools that can look at it. Are they goal oriented or are they a problem solver? Everyone's good at both, but they'll have a preference, you know, what's the prawn what's the jellyfish, right? Yeah. And get people in project teams to really really mix up the way they work so you know some people are concept thinkers some want to organize some want to just get things done so a project team ideally you'd have people in each of those areas but what I see I get people in their project teams that are already sort of happening we get three concept people together so nothing actually ever gets done we get three structural people together they've never looked at why they're doing what they're doing or we get three doers chopping the flower, high implementation, but no direction.
1: Mm.
0: So I think you got to focus on what you what you could be better at. I get that, but I I'm a, I've always led teams and I always work with teams around don't get all demotivated and do the stuff you don't like. Do what lights you up and know who who who's you know lit up by something maybe you're not yeah,
1: great. Spot on, spot on. I want to go back to your book. Um, I'm loving what I'm seeing on social media, the the conversations you're having, the the way it's being embraced. Um, what feedback are you getting already? What's some of the impact you know the book's making?
0: Yeah, so it's only been out as we talk. Well, it's only been in bookshops for three days, but you know we've had we've sort of had it out and about the last three weeks. I think the biggest bit of or the most common bit of feedback has been around the vulnerability in the book and the fact that people from all the walks of life and including myself have really shared really really shared some deep and raw stuff that you know we know vulnerability is a new black we know we have to be open and honest to be vulnerable and courageous and all that sort of stuff but that's been the main thing and I think the fact that anybody can tap into the gift mindset. So I've had some clients, teenagers read the book and reach out and say, this is awesome, this is what I needed, CEOs to, to mums and dads. So in that way I feel, yeah, really blessed to be able to have a message that can be can benefit so broadly.
1: So it's great that it's having such an impact. And as you've said a number of times, it's not just for a work environment. It can yeah. be for anyone at any age and any part of their life, which I absolutely yeah. love. When you were writing it, did you picture someone that you're writing it for?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I pictured a few people. And it wasn't until I got into sort of the third chapter, I was like, this isn't just about work. Mm. This is bigger. Um And the other thing that I noticed too was when I initially came up with the concept, it was all around embracing challenges and adversity. And I'm happy to share this. A client I worked with many years ago um, did some great work with him and his team. And when we sort of finished up, so to speak, I said to him, are you happy to let me go into the other teams? And he said, no, you're my secret weapon. And I remember walking out going, you know, if I'd been in my 20s, I probably would have been flattered, but I was shocked. Yeah. I went back and I said, how you're one team. Why don't you want to share the success of your team and replicate success across the business? And that's when I went, gifts can come not just from the challenges, but we need to unwrap our successes and share them because I think sometimes we don't on purpose, but a lot of the time it's just lack of time, lack of awareness. Or even not being able to articulate the success you had. And that's when I went, the gift mindset really is about challenging people and situations and positive people and situations, hence pass the parcel.
1: Yeah, yeah, great. Can I ask where did that one end up?
0: Um, I ended up doing some work in some of the other teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah down the track. And but I do remember back to your question earlier. I wrote don't use success as a secret weapon and I went and wrote a blog about it yep. obviously all confidentially and then it's funny how things come up and as we get more mature, as I'd like to say, I'm <laughs> um, nearly, hitting, nearly hitting 50, I, I, I think we get more war stories and we get more experience and for everyone listening I think it's important to know you know, everything you've been through has helped you to become who you are, but you are continually becoming who you are.
1: Yeah, and taking that time out to reflect on some of those tough gifts and um, yeah. those gifts that at the time, how could this possibly be a gift in my life? I don't even see that. It's, no. a, it's a a a lump of coal in the, in the stocking, <laughs> perhaps. That's how we're seeing it. But actually there's something out of that that, on reflection, how it helped you get to where you are right now.
0: Yeah, I think spot on. Gifts, gifts can be hidden. We might look back now, and this is the work I'm doing with a, with a with a few teams at the moment. Is what not just last year, but what gifts, what things have happened, even as as children, that we can bring in to move forward. Um, gifts can be unwrapping in front, of, in front of us now, which, as we all know, can be hard to see what the gift is. Yeah. But, The three-step approach is really around, you know, you said it, awareness, making self-reflective time, you know, really ramping up your emotional intelligence, taking a step back and then accepting to help not hinder you and really having some, you know, self-compassion and understanding that accepting something good or bad doesn't mean you have to love it, but accepting it helps you to use it. And action is making sure you bring those lessons into your life and in the workplace be, be creating a culture where people are sharing. And we, we've written a whole program around the book called um, The Gift Mindset Culture. Yeah. Which explores the 12 gifts and how to adopt. And every single workshop we use the, the gift model, G-I-F-T, um, which is really just grow. How's it help you grow? And some questions. Um, how are you going to integrate it into your life? And then the F is how are you going to facilitate this to help others? And, and T is how will this transform the business? So two steps are about you. Yep. You've got to understand you and the gift first. And the last two steps is about living your legacy by sharing.
1: Oh, I love that. Now, this might be tapping into some of the barriers, but I, something I'm thinking about is how someone talks about this to other people. Yeah. And um, what I can think <laughs> about is in the past where someone goes and does a program or they they go to a seminar or a conference and sometimes people think, oh, that person's been brainwashed. They've come back and they're all revved up about whatever it is. And like you said, the sugar drops then it drops away and they're back to normal. So I think how someone talks about this gift mindset in a way that others can embrace, is that something that, you're you're conscious of or you're you've noticed is really important
0: yeah it is and I think like anything Murray people talk about it in the frame that they see it mm. but for me it's I've had a few people who actually say well I've always had that mindset but now it's got a name I can visualize it and that was something I found exciting about bringing in the little you know past the parcel the bombonieri Five key. T- everyone listening. So, bonbonnery—the French and the Italian fight over who came up with it. But at a wedding, a French or Italian wedding, you get five sugared almonds. Really yucky, actually. Yeah. But-
1: so I, I, I'm learning more about your cooking here. Thank you.
0: <laughs> so now, now those weddings—they do gifts, right? They do perfume bottles or whatever. But traditionally, you get five almonds and health, wealth, fertility, success, and growth or something so what I've done at the end of each chapter is put in your bonboneri, so your five key takeaways but I think you know I've, I've had I've had I've asked people to explain the gift mindset back to me and I've had from a 16 year old to a CEO sort of say well it's a mindset I think we all have but now we're consciously aware of it and I think once we can visualize something and see it and feel it I think it makes it easier to tap into and not overcomplicate it.
1: Yeah. Um, What are some other barriers that people need to watch out for that could get in their way of adopting the gift mindset?
0: Yeah, there's a few. The key ones, the first one is don't suppress it, express it. Mm -hmm. So I think we go from a place of suppression um, where we just put things on the back burner because we don't want to deal with them or we don't see them as important. So the first one I think is comes back to, you know, self-reflection, being aware, journaling, whatever works for you, but just slow down. We, we all need to, me included. I You know, I'm as guilty as charged, but I think it can help you really um, go deeper with things. So suppression's a big one. So add do this in a way that you, in the workplace, especially if you're a leader, this is something you can really bring in. So... I've got companies doing Win Wednesdays, Failure Fridays, um, Motivation Mondays, and I've done that for seven years. So bringing in wins, Failure Fridays is bringing in what didn't work but what did I learn.
1: Yeah, great. Um,
0: And it's a great way for those people in your team that just shivel up when they have to, you know, publicly get feedback to say well, it's not about you, it's about sharing best practice and being in service to your team. And that's a great way to get people to open up. Um, yeah. Can, can
1: yeah. I just say the thing that sticks out here for lots of the conversations I've had over the years, it's all about those little things you can do that don't cost a lot of money but make a big impact. Oh,
0: to- totally. I, I agree. And that's right. I think people sometimes even celebrating success, Maria. you know, I've had people go, We've had the highest engagement score in six months at the conference, we'll do this. And I'm like, wouldn't you just do something where you all share what helped towards that success?
1: Yeah.
0: I agree. The other, I suppose there's seven barriers. The the other two that I'd probably give you, the biggest one I think is judgment from others. Mm -hmm. Um, And a few people that read the book uh, pre-manuscript, pre-publication, this really stood out for them. So judgment from others is what will people think of me sharing that I failed? Why would I share that success? They might copy me. You know, there's ego in there. There's a lot of different reasons. But, oh, what if if I share that my team did it this way and it didn't work out? Other teams might make mistakes. But I think we need to embrace and foster a risk culture because to me, the only way you learn is from mistakes. But if you're sharing it, I believe there'll be less. And there's a statistic that's come out that analysts are showing that companies in the Fortune 500 combined are losing $51 billion from employees not sharing ideas and lessons.
1: Yeah, wow. Wow.
0: Now, that's it's a pretty pretty mind-blowing step and I think the more we do it and you'd know Toyota you know they came up with the whole Kazen program Mm -hmm. sharing ideas getting ideas from each other in the business sharing lessons why wouldn't you
1: yeah 100 100 and I think that letting go or being able to um, create a culture where we don't fear the judgment where people feel safe to be real and Um, And even resetting cultures where in the past people maybe didn't feel safe to do that and now recreating that culture where they can and share those lessons. I think there's, there's lots of terrible things that can happen in cultures, but I think one of those is when we didn't learn from those lessons and something happens where it was just such a great opportunity to learn from something that happened and we haven't implemented that.
0: Yeah, that's right. And our, look, our whole our whole model, master model for business culture is really going from having something t- wrapped tightly under the Christmas tree to being untied, opened and shared and really going from inertia to being what I call limitless, which means evolving, learning, unlearning, relearning and, and never resting on your laurels as, as a leader, as a culture, as a business to always be progressing forward.
1: So this has been such an awesome, wonderful conversation. If someone wants to pick up a copy of the Gift Mindset, and I'm sure many people do, where's the best place to get it?
0: Yeah, so it's available. If you go to giftmindset.com, um, you can jump on there and you can get it off Amazon, Booktopia, or, um, and Amazon US, UK. Available in good bookstores nationally in Australia at the moment. And also we're doing signed copies um, that you can order directly and they come beautifully wrapped for conferences, et cetera. But I just want to say on that website, it's got its own website, Gift Mindset, I've put together a downloadable infographic poster on each chapter's uh, insights. And it's all free. You can download. And I've got 20 10-minute video interviews of people around their gifts called the Gift Space. So there's, there's lots of different things you can jump on there and download for free.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I'll definitely make sure they're linked up in the show notes because yep. I'll be downloading that poster this afternoon. That's for sure as well. Awesome. I love that. Um, um, where's the best place online to connect with you, if not at thegiftmindset.com? Where's your best channel to jump on and follow the awesome work yeah. you're doing?
0: Probably just renegeruso.com and you can jump in there and have a look at all our podcasts and media other, We've got lots, of, lots and lots of resources on there and obviously links to all our programs. Um, and then we've got a Vimeo channel on there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Thank you.
0: Thanks, so, sorry. Renee,
1: I've loved, loved, loved the conversation. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your generosity and your openness to share what it means to have a gift mindset. And um, I really um, have felt more energised out of this conversation because I think you're tapped in something which, I think it was one of the CEOs or the 16 year old you mentioned describing it. It's like, we sort of know it deep down, but we sort of keep repressing it. But Let's bring that out and embrace it and um, embrace those gifts in all areas of our life. So I'm feeling I'm doing that right now, just from this conversation. Thank you so
0: much. No, thank you. I really appreciated being being on here and having this conversation. I I think I think we could talk all day. And I, yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm
1: sure we'll talk again. And before you go, I need to know your definition of inspired energy.
0: Yeah, well, it goes back to what we were saying. I think inspired energy is real energy. It's raw energy. And I think it comes from being aligned with your values and your purpose and I'm going to say it again, doing what lights you up. If you're on track with that, how can you help but not be energetic?
1: Such a beautiful link back to our early conversation and I totally agree with you. Um, I'm wishing you all the absolute success with the book. Um, I'm loving all the great interviews you're getting to do and get the message out about the power of a gift mindset. Thanks again for your time, your energy and inspiration today and um, look forward to chatting again.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Murray. Thanks,
1: Renee.